I'm Sarah Rose, and this is the Mind Body Academy podcast. I'm here to teach you how to create better health from the inside out. It's not brain surgery, and I promise you can do it too. What's good, everyone? Today, we're going to be jumping into a conversation that's going to allow us to look deeply at what it actually means to get healthy, both physically and emotionally, while losing weight, and how that's different from just getting skinny. We're going to talk about how do we bring in the things that are reparative and healing to that process of weight loss so that we're not just creating weight loss, we're also creating better health. Now, you may be thinking that this episode is not for you if you aren't thinking you have weight to lose. But I promise you, there's a lot packed in here that's definitely, definitely for you. I think this is a really important topic to get into because equating being skinny, which maybe you identify as, with health, often gets in the way of our understanding of what creates true health and metabolic flexibility. So what we need to be asking ourselves is, is there such a thing as being skinny and metabolically unhealthy? Is there such a thing as being healthy and overweight? And how can we start to define health so that we have a better sense of how to answer these kinds of questions? There's so much confusion to clear up because we are just bombarded with information and dietary advice, right? From everyone and their mother (laughs) when it comes to weight loss and getting healthy and staying healthy and all of that. And I remember back when I was struggling with my weight, I didn't know it wasn't normal or even think to question how miserable it was to be caught up in guilting myself over everything I was trying to do to lose weight, everything that I thought I had to do, a lot from reading up online and magazines and asking different people and trying to apply all of that to me. It wasn't like, oh, hey, maybe there's a better way than this. It was a sense of this is it, this is how it's supposed to be, or else I'm not working hard enough at this. So there was this expectation that got internalized that was coming from all these outside sources And that wasn't matching up with what I was actually able to follow through and do. It was completely misaligned with what was right for me. And this is something that is very common. I see this a lot in what clients who come to work with me report has been their experience with their weight loss as well. There's this tendency for our mental health to be the first thing to go out the window when we're focused on improving our physical health or physical appearance. There's this tendency when we don't trust ourselves to look outside of ourselves for how other people are doing it. And there's nothing inherently wrong with doing that. The problem is when we get into the habit of looking outside of ourselves for the answer for what will work for us and not having that check-in with ourselves if that's actually what's working for us. So it can become this form of self-rejection. We can become so fixated on what we think we need to do that we don't factor in how we need to think and feel while rolling out that strategy, while performing the actions. And I think this is where we get ourselves sucked back into a cycle of self-improvement shame, which can become this real wormhole whereby we try to improve ourselves because we're kind of ashamed of something about ourselves, like our physical appearance or something about our lives. And then we shame ourselves on top of that shame for not being able to improve when the reason we're not able to improve is because we're trying to shame ourselves into that change. That usually doesn't work, and it usually ends up producing a lot of self-doubt or at least producing a change that feels pretty much the same. So 
people who approach weight loss this way often end up struggling with their weight or their body image in a thinner body because they used shame to motivate that change. And I repeat this often, but it's worth repeating. You get good at what you practice. One person might follow a ketogenic diet and have lots of success, for example. And you might follow in their footsteps. But the important differences you might not be factoring in are how you feel and how your body feels versus how it felt for them. Often we have no idea. These aren't the kinds of questions that we're asking people when we're getting inspired by them to try what they tried. When we're trying to replicate somebody else's result, we often fail to replicate their experience that produced the result. Does that land for you? You have to enjoy the process, which doesn't mean that you aren't challenged by it, but on some level, it has to feel right for you. You have to change your mindset to align with the action you want to be taking, with the kind of diet that you're putting yourself on, or rather dietary guidelines that you're deciding to follow. You have the ability to have fun with it. And that's the difference between creating a body that will last you a season versus creating a body that will last you a lifetime. So many of you are blowing past this insight instead of letting it blow your mind. Having fun with it is the secret. (laughs) If you're not having fun, that's not really going to propel you into anything that feels significantly different than the way you're feeling now. Especially, especially if your motivation is to control other people's opinions of you because you're deriving your own opinion of yourself from their opinion of you. So what drives you? What motivates you? You need healthy motivation if healthy is where you want to end up. And let me tell you, it's okay if you have unhealthy motivation right now, as long as you're willing to heal that motivation to take yourself forward and integrate that into your weight loss process. I'm not saying that feeling desperation or white knuckle pain never allows you to get shit done. Clearly, there are examples of that. And maybe from your own life. I'm just saying that it's not a sustainable source of fuel if you want to keep renewing your commitment to the change you want to make over time. At one point, you're going to need to change that fuel source or else where you're going to start from is also where you'll end up. You have to get to that point where your decision to change doesn't come from deep sadness or shame or anger. It comes from self-love, from wanting what's best for yourself from that place of calm confidence. It comes from knowing that there's a power in you that's greater than you. There's an intelligence embedded in your body. And when you start living from that power and give it the respect that it deserves, That is what translates out into health, mental, physical, emotional. If you're not listening to yourself and factoring in what you need, you're not empowering yourself to take control of your health. You're putting yourself in a position to become dependent on what somebody else is telling you to do. And so a few months or a few years down the road when your circumstances change, you're not going to be able to rely on yourself or to rely on your body to adapt and maintain the changes that you've made. The most powerful part of any weight loss journey is long-term sustainable results. And that's what I'm committed to leaving my clients with. I don't want them to rely on me to be healthy. I want them to be able to rely on themselves. So 
What is the problem with being overweight? Or rather, why is it a health concern? What it comes down to is inflammation, and specifically inflammation on a cellular level. Everything in the body is made up of cells. Your heart is made up of cells. Your lungs are made up of cells. Every part of you is made up of cells. So we want to be looking at it as a sum of parts and an integrated system, and not just as a whole, like your entire body, or as individual parts. When somebody is struggling with their weight, it's usually not just one thing that's out of balance. It can be a gut issue, it can be a hormone issue, it can be a blood sugar issue, it can be a combination of all of these things and so much more. We can look at things like environmental toxicity, oxidative stress, 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 <laughs> micronutrient issues. There are all kinds of things that we need to factor in as we put together the puzzle pieces together to solve for the cause that's driving the weight gain and creating weight loss resistance. And inflammation is really central to everything we're seeing that relates back to both weight loss resistance and chronic disease. Now, what happens when your body is holding onto fat is that it is turning into a sugar burner instead of a fat burner. Most people, if they're having a hard time losing weight or they're losing weight and then they're gaining it back, are sugar burners, meaning their bodies aren't as effective at using their fat stores as a source of fuel. And this was my issue for a long time when my weight was going up and down and up and down. I constantly craved sugar and carbs. I didn't realize that they had hijacked my taste buds, my brain chemistry, my hormones, my metabolism. I didn't realize how addicted I was to them. And I share this with you because most people wouldn't qualify their love of these kinds of foods as an addiction, but it truly is. Sugar is more addictive than cocaine. <laughs> That's why it's so hard to cut it out of our diets or to cut back on it. That and the fact that it's often hidden under all kinds of different names in our food. The average American eats 146 pounds of flour and 152 pounds of sugar per person per year. We know the white stuff isn't good for us, but people keep consuming and over-consuming it because we truly are, on a biochemical level, addicted to these foods. And also on a neurochemical level, because what happens is so many of us are going to these kinds of foods to get more pleasure out of our lives instead of creating more pleasure in the enjoyment of the kind of life that we're creating for ourselves. And when we're always going back to the food, that really detracts from our ability to create more pleasure and to get more pleasure from the kind of life that we're living. What you need to know is that sugar and carbs are quick burning forms of energy. That's why when you eat something, like let's say a bagel, you're hungry again not long after. But when you burn fat for fuel instead when your body is effective at doing that. You can easily go for hours without thinking about food. So the key here is that you need the diet you're eating to promote proper hormone regulation and to be anti-inflammatory so that your body is able to shift gears and go for that slow burn. This keeps your appetite in check and improves your overall metabolism. Your hormone balance affects everything from how you look, feel, and function. And the cell receptors for these hormones are blunted by a diet that contains a lot of sugar, carbohydrates, especially refined carbohydrates, processed foods, and all kinds of environmental toxins. So 
what happens is the brain tries to communicate ABC to the cells, but they can't hear those messages from the brain. The body can't hear those messages from the brain. When those messages do not compute, we're talking about hormonal resistance. And let's talk specifically about insulin resistance. Insulin being the fat storage hormone that is the main hormone that is responsible for regulating your weight. Insulin stores belly fat. And when it isn't properly regulated, it leads to hormonal and metabolic changes that cause muscle loss and inflammation. Being even mildly insulin resistant to having prediabetes to the full expression of type 2 diabetes is what has started to be called diabetes. It is estimated that one in two Americans have this, and over 90% of people who have this health condition don't know they have it. And a big part of why most people don't realize this is because you can have diabetes even when your weight is considered within the normal range or even underweight. We're talking about being skinny fat. This means being thin on the outside and fat on the inside. If you're skinny fat, you maintain a normal weight while suffering all the consequences of diabetes on the inside because you end up with the metabolic features of a pre-diabetic obese person. So low muscle mass, inflammation, high blood sugar, high blood pressure, high triglycerides, and low good cholesterol. Check in really honestly with yourself if you think this could be you. One of the ways that you can do this is by looking at your waist. If you have a little pooch <laughs> or it looks kind of puffed across the belly and inflamed, that could be an indicator. You can also take a look at your blood sugar to see if that's high. There are tests that you can take at home, but that you can also go to the pharmacy or your doctor. Your fasting blood sugar should be between 70 to 90. You can also ask your doctor to take a look under the hood to do more comprehensive testing if you're concerned that you have skinny fat syndrome. The health consequences can be really serious. We're talking an increased risk of stroke, many cancers, heart disease, neurological conditions, gastrointestinal disease, many conditions that can steal days from people's lives and life from people's days. And it's so easy to toss these risks aside, like warnings on a pack of cigarettes. Like most people who pull out a pack of cigarettes aren't thinking, hey, this is for sure going to cause me to have cancer. It says may cause cancer, not will cause me cancer. So we're often not experiencing that direct connection between what we're doing now and how that will impact our health later. And even though right now you might not be living with anything too serious, it's important to recognize that it is no joke to spend years of your life having to battle any of these kinds of chronic conditions or any kind of disease. I have personally worked with people who fall into the skinny fat category and have taken them through my weight loss program to help them turn things around, which may sound kind of funny, but the truth is that people who would be considered skinny fat have the same end goal as someone who is overweight, become slim and healthy, and be able to maintain that health. And so the strategy for working with someone who is skinny fat is pretty much the exact same intervention as for someone who is overweight. The solution requires stress reduction and getting blood sugar and insulin levels under control. Bear in mind that people who are skinny fat are often at increased risk relative to people who are overweight. 
because their fat deposits are hidden. They're hidden in the white fat that lies around their vital organs. They're hidden throughout their underused muscles. They're coating their liver, their kidneys, and intestines. It's easier to overlook or ignore the warning signs when they aren't glaringly obvious. And unfortunately, doctors often overlook the red flags like high blood sugar and insulin or high triglycerides and many other diabetes indicators in people who are deemed to be normal weight. They may not be doing the same kind of testing they would in someone who is overweight. And consequently, many people can mistakenly believe that they do well on a diet that includes lots of bread, pasta, and sugar just because they aren't gaining weight. They can believe that they can eat whatever they want and there's no real consequence, but there is. In fact, skinny fat people who get type 2 diabetes are at higher risk of mortality than people who are overweight. So this is really important to know. Fat doesn't just sit there on your body. It's not just this cosmetic thing. It actually produces hormones that screw up the rest of your hormones. For example, it could take your estrogen and make it into bad estrogen and that can increase your risk of breast cancer. Whether you're overweight or skinny fat, you may not realize that it's because you're metabolically unhealthy that you have FLC syndrome, (laughs) feel like crap syndrome. You might not connect the dots back to inflammation and diabetes when you have chronic fatigue or huge energy crashes. You wake up after a full night's sleep completely depleted or bloating or muscle aches or if you often feel groggy or you get itchy in places you'd rather keep private about. So your kuka, your dingle dong, your backdrop. (laughs) You may not realize that the way that you're eating is making you stupid, sick, and slow. Don't take that the wrong way. You may be functioning at a high level and getting lots of things done in spite of all that. But I want you to realize that that's probably what's making it feel like such a grind. And that even though you might not have a more serious diagnosis, you probably are experiencing consequences on your quality of life without fully being aware of just how bad your eating habits are making you feel physically, cognitively, and emotionally. The smartest way that I know to reverse skinny fat syndrome and diabetes is to go through the genius body detox. It's a detox because remember that we're addicted to those white foods, sugar and flour, and I'll include dairy in there, that produce these huge insulin spikes and throw our hormones out of whack. So what this detox does is it helps bring those hormones back into balance within a framework that makes managing cravings and withdrawal symptoms simple, manageable, and doable. It boosts your health by actually providing a system that helps you burn fat, decrease your hunger, and improve your metabolism. If you remember earlier, I mentioned how the body stops responding to those chemical messengers from the brain when we develop hormonal resistance. Well, we can actually do a lot when we get that gut of yours healthy again, because the gut is the second brain of the body. You'll hear me keep talking about the gut a lot, and this detox rehabilitates the ecology of your gut and strengthens it. So it does a lot for that brain-body communication. Also, exercise is really key, particularly strength training and high-intensity interval training. Building up those muscles has a huge impact on reversing insulin resistance. So these are the things that I want you to be focused on to crack the skinny fat code and to reverse diabetes so that you can shift your focus from weight loss onto creating 
better overall health that actually translates out into a better quality of life. Most people assume if you're overweight, you're unhealthy. If you're thin, you are healthy. I hope you're starting to see that the reality isn't that simple. There's so much more going on under the hood. If you feel like your wires are crossed under there and you're a little overwhelmed with all of this, just connect with me over at thegeniusbody.com where you can learn more about the Genius Body Detox and get on a free call with me so I can help you get going in the right direction. Health while you're healthy is often the most important time to start focusing on your health. There is no better time to start focusing on better health. Better health allows you to enjoy so much more out of life, which really ends up creating a better life. So be well, take care. I'll talk to you all again very soon. Kind of wish life came with a refresh button? Join the Genius Body Detox to start looking and feeling your best in as little as 30 days. Just click on the link in the show notes or visit thegeniusbody.com and let's start fresh today. Hey there, me again. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I just wanted to remind you that this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is meant to inspire and inform you. It does not constitute medical advice or services. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified professional. If you need care or assistance, seek help from your trusted healthcare provider.